everybody. Jason Wood here, VA Loan Guy, host of the Armed and Ready podcast. We have an exciting episode for you today. We have Jay Johnson as our guest. And Jay is a Navy veteran. He's also in the real estate business in San Diego, which is kind of the mecca for um, all things military. So I'm super pumped to have someone we can talk a little shop with. We can get into some real estate info and um, just help kind of fill you guys with some knowledge on what's happening today in the market and dealing with COVID and, and, and how you get from being in the Navy to selling real estate and all that stuff. So uh, without any further ado, uh, please help me welcome Jay Johnson. How are you, Jay? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Jason. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's great, man. Great to have you on the show. Um, we have a lot of really cool guests on here and with really neat backgrounds and stories. And so I always like to um, start off with everybody and get an idea of how you ended up in the Navy. You know, what was going through your brain when you decided to, to raise your right hand and sign up? Um, and, and tell us about your Navy career. I think you're, you're a, a, a rescue swimmer. Uh, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So how'd you get in the Navy? What was, what was the motivation there? Um, you know, <laughs> probably like, a, a, quite a few of my friends, uh, I was in college and uh, my main focus were, uh, you know, playing some sports and drinking beer. And at some point you <laughs> kind of have to decide which direction you're going. Um, and I wasn't really ready for a real job. I didn't have, uh, you know, I wasn't in a military town, didn't know that much about it. And, uh, just kind of took that jump after a couple of years and was, uh, the intent of doing, you know, five, my five-year contract, uh, get some experience and, uh, you know, experience something different and then get out and get back to life. That's cool. So what, where did you grow up? Uh, in Virginia, but like in Roanoke, so Southwestern, um, way away from like Norfolk and all that, you know, all the military stuff. So, uh, not a lot of experience with that. Gotcha. And, um, so obviously you probably got stationed out here in San Diego once or twice and yeah, yeah, I was fortunate to end up most of my uh, most of my career home based out of San Diego. So pretty, oh, pretty fortunate with that. Yeah, yeah, you lucked out. That's really yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, well, I have, I have a friend um, who was a Coast Guard rescue swimmer, so I've heard some interesting stories. But I I would love to hear a couple of cool stories about um, what you do. And and I don't know if people. Um, that are listening, unless they're in the military, you can understand like what your job was. But I mean, essentially, you're one of the guys that jumps out of a helicopter into the ocean to to rescue people, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, part of the part of the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's the fun part of it. A lot of it's it's kind of like an insurance policy. A lot of uh, training and boredom. Like you're paying into your insurance for a a little bit of fun, uh, <laughs> fun times. But but yeah, that's kind of, kind of it. Um, you start. That's how we all start. And uh, you know obviously helicopters and uh, we started as rescue swimmer and I, I was, I was fortunate. My second, um, my second station was at Whidbey Island, Washington. So I got to do uh, mountain rescue. So we got to do all the rappel and glacier and uh, you know, high altitude rescue. So that was really cool. I was really fortunate for that. Um, and then you kind of just go to, to different things from there. You know, it just, as you, if you stick around long enough, you go do other things, uh, a couple, a couple deployments to the desert. Uh, we did, air ambulance. Um, gosh, just the jobs just kind of compound. So you get to do a lot of really fun stuff. And I think that's how I ended up uh, sticking around for so long because it wasn't, wasn't my intent, but uh, I was having fun. So, so it worked out, you know, yeah, getting paid and having fun. How long were you in? 26 years. All right. So you went the, yeah. full, the full road, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Good for you, man. Well, thank you so much for that service. Um, so I'm, I'm deathly afraid of sharks. So <laughs> Any any shark encounters or experiences? 
Uh, I mean, we, I've seen plenty, probably have been in the water or something. Nothing crazy. Yeah, nothing like that. No. All right. No, as long as I can outswim the other guy, we're, we're good, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, nothing like that. Okay, nice, man. Well, um, so you transitioned, obviously, into civilian life. Did you go straight into real estate after the Navy? I did, um, kind of. I, I got my license near the end of my time, um, but I initially did it for myself to get into uh, investing more and thought I would do, you know, a little bit for here and there for uh, friends or something. It wasn't really intended to be, kind of like my Navy career, it wasn't intended to be a career at first. And right. then just kind of transitioned into it and grew from there. Nice. And how long have you been uh, in real estate now? Uh, uh, full time. It'll be three years in like next month. Okay. So, but I've been in, but I've been doing it as a business for three years. I first like went to real estate school, like gosh, 26 years ago or something um, after I bought my first house, but not, to, not to uh, do it as a profession, but just for the experience because I knew I wanted to continue investing in it um, while I was still in the Navy as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, did you, did you buy any homes or use your VA loan while you were active duty? I did. I've used it several times. Um, actually, the first home I did not. Um, honestly, I didn't even know uh, that it existed on my first one. I was like 22, 23. Uh, so uh, that one, no. Uh, <laughs> second one, I, I did use it. And then I believe the third one I didn't. And then um, ended up getting divorced and kind of offloading all those, but then got my VA loan back as as you know, and I used it a couple more times since then. I believe I used it at least three of the times on properties. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm a big proponent of, you know, educating, especially those that are active duty on the benefits they have with this Absolutely. cool loan program, you know, like yeah. it's, um, it's truly unique. I mean, obviously, you know, we serve, so we have earned the right to have this loan, but I think there's such an opportunity for guys and gals who are active duty to really create a lifelong investment, um, a great investment, absolutely. Uh, as as they're serving uh, by using using this loan, um, you know, what what has your experience been with kind of helping active duty people and, and leveraging this? Um, you know, it, it's it initially kind of just as a mentor side, like you know, as I was getting along further in the military, I would just kind of almost beg the young guys, like guys, just buy something. I don't care if you like you know, two of you buy it together, just, just buy stuff, you know, just get in the game. Um, and uh, quite a few of those guys, they do sometimes, you know, these guys today are smart, man. And there's so much information different from when I started, you know? So if they, if they have the drive and they do just a little bit of leg, leg work to kind of see what's out there, they'll come back with some great questions and you're like, uh, okay, these guys are on track and they'll, uh, several of them executed and have already um, started building some pretty good, you know, pretty good portfolio or done well, even just for their families of building the equity uh, when they transfer, they were sold or turned into a rental. So it's pretty cool to watch those guys. So that was kind of informally, um, you know, still in. And then that's actually one of the reasons my, uh, this turned into a business for me afterwards. And now I have a small team here in San Diego, but to better service that because I'm sure you have seen, there are a lot of people who are very good at targeting military and veterans, but there aren't a lot of people that are good at actually serving them. Um, so I, I saw that kind of was a frustration I saw like right away and really 
spurred me to kind of get more involved and, and start this. And it's turned out to be great. So it's turned out to be fun. Um, but now I, my passion project of that, that, that side of it kind of funds my, my passion project to educate on exactly that, what we're talking about, leveraging these uh, entitlements that these guys have earned. You know, these guys and girls have earned these, these things that sometimes they just don't know how to utilize. Um, and just kind of getting them started on that, educating on how to, uh, how to get going and also kind of a little bit of a financial mindset. Um, as you know, like we get our, our pay stub as an LES, right? So leave an earnings statement and it's broken down into pay as allowances. So you have a housing allowance and a lot of people look at that as that's how much they're supposed mm -hmm. to live on. Like that's as much as they can spend or they're supposed to spend up to that. And uh, it's just an accounting method, you know, and if they, people quit looking at the, what the military breaks their pay down into as an account, look at that as an accounting method and look at overall what they can afford, what they can't afford, what their goals are. I think it really changes the perspective and helps them build that roadmap of where they want to be and, and get off on the right foot. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. And I, I find like probably the most like passion driving part of me being in the mortgage business is that education piece that you were touching on is really like teaching these guys and gals um, what an opportunity they have and how to use it, right? Because, you know, they, if they've heard of the VA loan or they've heard of buying real estate, it was from someone that works in the same shop as them who yeah. heard it from their dad, who heard it from his friend. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of misinformation, but there's just so much unknown that it's like, yeah, I heard of it. And I'll, I'll buy a house one day. Yeah. Maybe when I get out of the military and it's like, gosh, you know, there's, you, you're in a, such a fortunate position that a PCS pretty regularly. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you're moving. So you've got to have a place to live in all these new locations, right? Whether it's on base an apartment or you've got to live somewhere. Right. Uh, and on top of that, you get tax free money, the BAH it's tax free. Right. To pay for a house. Mm -hmm. So, and then the government on top of that gives you a tax break for your mortgage interest. Right. And then on top of that, real estate is an appreciating asset. So you've got these really compelling reasons why, you know, you should be buying it. And then I think where it, it benefits them is, is finding folks like you and I, where yeah. we can teach them. It's not buy the biggest house everywhere you can go. Right. There, there is a strategy at play here because you know, um, and you kind of touched on this, you can use the VA loan multiple, multiple times. You can actually have more than one VA loan at a time active. Right. But there's a, there's some math that goes behind that. There's a little bit of a strategy. It's not, you know, even though they remove the county loan limits for, you know, starting this year, that doesn't mean that it's just a free for all and you can go buy million dollar houses, zero down all over the country. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so there is, you know, some math limitations and figuring out entitlement calculations, but um, there really truly is a strategy. And I think, you know, I did um, some homework on a, for a presentation I did. And um, if you look at kind of a 20 year career mm -hmm. listing and, you know, bouncing from different base to different base and you total up the BAH over a 20 year career, I think today, depending on where you get stationed, of course, it varies a little bit, but you're looking at somewhere around $750,000. Right. You will receive over that period of time to pay for a house. Now, granted, your first few years enlisted, you can't live off base. But once you get to be able to be at that point, you know, call it $700,000. Mm -hmm. uh, that's $700,000 to be applied towards 
a mortgage, which is paying the debt down and appreciating value and all the things we talked about um, over time. I mean, that's incredible. It is. Nobody yeah. else gets that. No, no, it is. And it's a phenomenal opportunity. I mean, and, and like you said too, every time you transfer, that's just a, a new opportunity. It's not really, a, you know, it can be a little bit of a hassle. What is a new opportunity? You're in a new, a new market, a new place, a new opportunity to make more money. And um, with, I mean, gosh, that, I mean, that was my initial plan. Accidentally, the first one, I bought the first one, just I needed a house, bought it. Um, but then as I, when I first got that, when I transferred the first time and got my first rent check from someone else, that's when the light bulb came up. So it wasn't like, it was not a grand plan of mine. I wish I could say like, I knew what was going on. I had no clue. I just yeah. bought, bought a place. And then when I transferred, got the other, and I got that first rent check and then the light bulb came on. I'm like, wait a minute, like they're paying my mortgage and I'm getting money. This is pretty cool. And uh, so that was my plan to just do at least one per uh, transfer, you know, as long as I was in, I didn't know if I was going to stay or not, but, um, but yeah, it's a great way just to accumulate that. And if you know how to leverage and uh, strategically refinance, um, there's just so many things once you dip into it, that is just, you know, just a game changer for people. It gives options. And going back to me staying in for so long, I think one of the reasons I did was because of some of these investments, even though they weren't huge, this were, these weren't taxing me really, but always having um, an extra income, you know, cause it, it just kind of made you never feel trapped. So when you're staying in, you could just do two, year, two more years, two more years, two more years. And knowing that you, you can leave basically at any time and you're not stuck like, Hey, I can't afford to, to move on. I can't afford to take a chance on that, you know, outside world, like, the, like we would put it. It's just a, a totally different mindset when you don't have that stress. And I think that would really benefit a lot of our, a lot of our uh, people as well, just being able to alleviate that financial burden, you know? Yeah, no, it totally is. And I, and I, I wonder, you know, if you run into it, I still, you know, with so much information at our fingertips for, for us too, military people, us, you know, I mean, you can find out a lot of information on so many different topics on, on the internet. Right. So um, I still find it surprising, um, you know, run across realtors that, don't know that the VA loan limit was removed Yeah, five, almost six months ago now, you know, like, like some of this stuff, it just kind of, do you run into that too? I mean, in, in running into with transactions against with other realtors and stuff. I, I do. I do. And, and to some of their credit, like I've had agents who will ask me from the other side because they may even have a, another client that, that's doing VA and they'll actually ask questions because they want to, be more experienced in it. So I'll give credit that that's phenomenal, but a lot just don't. And they're really ignorant to really what the process is. And they're scared of VA loans. They're like, Oh, well, why don't you talk them into I literally had someone, why don't you talk them into resubmitting the offer conventional? I'm like, what sense would that? I'm like, you clearly don't understand the benefit of this. You know, it's, it's just ignorance on their part. And, and, and so, you know, so be it, that's fine. But the thing that really bugged me the most again, when I was very first, you know, starting in the real estate side as like a, you know, kind of career, but once I got licensed, I'd gone to one of the military relocation professional classes with another agent friend of mine, who's a civilian, you know, his whole life and just said, Hey, why don't you come with me? And I got so frustrated in this class, the uh, facilitator, she wasn't putting out bad info. It's really just introduction to a lot of things we're talking about. Right. But a lot of the agents that were there to get the certification were either military maybe just did a couple of years or um, a spouse of someone in the military. So they only have mm -hmm. 
that view. You know, they only have the view from, you know, once removed or, and then you only have the view of how much time they've been or what commands they've been at. Mm -hmm. And we're, you know, just giving information out that people were absorbing saying like, Hey, well, if this person's an E4, don't talk to them. They're wasting your time. They can't, they can't even get out of the barracks there. This person, you know, they're not going to be able to do this. And it was all just such coming from kind of our own people. Yeah. So that was kind of frustrating as well that just so many people aren't, you know, it's like throwing the veteran tag on like, Oh, this veteran, but I haven't really done the research either. I just want to kind of use that. So that was a uh, frustration too, because we weren't helping our, we're not helping our own people at that point. Right. But then for all of those, there's some really, like really amazing people, you know, that do try to educate and, um, you know, help, help people along, make the right choices, make smart decisions, you know? Um, so, so there's good and bad, but I don't, I don't think most of it's malicious. I think it's just ignorance on the programs and, and entitlements that there are. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, and it's surprising. Like if I, when I get into conversations and so oftentimes, what I do after I like, pre-approve a veteran or something is I'll call the listing agent and explain to them, you know, what we've done to come up with their pre-approval and so forth, give them a little confidence in it. <clears throat> and I've had some agents too, you know, I can sense in the conversation that they're not quite comfortable with the VA loan part of it, right? And, uh, and you know, if I had said conventional, they would have been like all warm and fuzzy inside, but I said, yeah, and you could, you could just sense they're a little uneasy. And, uh, and you know what's um, interesting statistically is, and, and I, I share this with some of them in some conversations, is the VA loan has the lowest foreclosure rate out of any loan type on the market. Yeah. And it also has the highest average credit score of any loan type on the market. Well, I didn't know so, that. So yeah, I mean, now, now when you're going, oh, well, I'd rather have conventional. Well, why? Like, you're, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a riskier borrower. Oftentimes, right. you know, even though there's a down payment requirement, you know, the VA is guaranteeing this loan for 25%. But right. I mean, that's probably a bigger down payment than what you're seeing on that other conventional offer, you know, and it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, this person raised the right hand and said, Hey, I'll give my life for this country. Right. All I want to do is buy a piece of it. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I got this really cool tool that no one else gets to use. And you're afraid of me using it. Right. And I, and it just, you know, we start getting into some of that conversation and um, it's just like, you know, like, like mind blown a little bit. They're like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. You know, like right. really you can, you can hear the gears grinding almost on some of that stuff. Well, you probably saved the next guy down the road some pain too, but you know, but add a little education, you know, and then it starts to sink in and the next makes it a little easier for the next person coming along. So yeah. that's, that's pretty legit too. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty phenomenal, really. I know um, when you were talking about the um, loan limits as well, and are you, are you seeing more people taking advantage of multifamily properties? Because that's something when I have, uh, especially, you know, again, anyone coming in, they're like, hey, I, I know I may not be able to stay here long term. You know, I may only be here for a few years. What can I get into? And if, uh, you know, if it fits their their needs, like I, I just feel like, especially with the loan limits gone, the uh, multifamily is just phenomenal. And they just don't realize that they can use the potential rental income as a qualifying factor. Totally, yeah. I, so I advocate a lot with uh, my military buyers, mm -hmm. you know, unless they have, you know, family needs that preclude them from living in a multifamily. But, you know, if they're, you know, young married couple or, or they're single, I think a multifamily is, is a brilliant move. Um, because you have multiple 
units, you know, one to three units, paying you rent and you can qualify using it. Uh, I think it's such a smart way to go. And, and I have seen an uptick in applications for that with the loan limit gone because you look in, you know, our area in San Diego and a lot of California locations, multifamily homes are very spendy. You know, I mean, seven years ago, investors bought all those super cheap. So if you're buying it today, it doesn't have a cheap price tag with it, but um, you, the math still works. Um, and so, yeah, they can qualify using 75% of the rent from the other units. There's a couple little catches though. Um, you got to have some reserves and you either have that property management experience or hire a property management company. So um, there's a couple little hoops and they're, they're usually not deal breakers. I mean, most people right. Some money in their TSP and stuff like that. So usually they're they're fine. But I've seen an uptick in it, and it's great because um, before they that down payment um, was the precluding factor. Right. You know, it wasn't necessarily debt ratios because of the income rental qualification and stuff, but it was that down payment piece. And you know, California, you're looking at you know a seven figure unit oftentimes. Yeah. And you know, when you start doing multiples of millions of dollars. The, the math gets big, right? So, um, yeah, having the zero down payment has been really good. I mean, I'm, I'm in escrow on a couple of um, pretty expensive multifamily, and, we're, and that's exactly how we're doing it, right? We're using the rental income from the other units to qualify, and right. it's going to turn out long-term down the road to be an amazing investment. Right. And, you know, when they PCS again and they move out of their unit, and now they've got three or four units all rented out, the mortgage is covered with two of the units rents. Right. So now they can use the extra rent and put it in the bank to put a down payment on buying something else at the next duty station where they can aggressively pay down that mortgage. I mean, with, with how low rates are right now, they're almost better served just banking, put all that savings. Right. So in two or three years or five years, whenever they move again, they can go do a, a down payment because they took out so much VA loan here, they're probably not gonna have 100% VA next spot, but right. they can go put a down payment, do a conventional or an FHA loan or, or different type of financing and get into something else. And it could be a multifamily in a whole nother location, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think people, uh, and, it, and it's hard to do, especially when you're younger, to think far enough ahead to realize how quickly properties often appreciate. You know, like it five years, you know, I know when I was like 23 or 24, I didn't think five years ahead. That wasn't kind of my, anybody's thing at that point. Um, but just even five years can make a huge difference in that appreciation. And it's just like growing. It's like a set it and forget it investment account, you know, is really what it's, what it is. And um, looking back on it, then you always, I've, I've heard many people, including myself saying, I wish I'd purchased more, but I've never heard someone say, I wish I had purchase that right. property, you know, yeah, I I, that one either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I tell like, you know, even, and so not everyone like multifamily doesn't fit for everyone, especially, you know, if they have family and kids and sure. you know, sometimes the circumstance doesn't allow for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and they come to like, you know, our market, San Diego, and especially if they are from, you know, a Midwest town or something like that, and they see home prices here, I mean, Stick. their jaw hits the floor. Like it's, yeah. it's scary. I mean, My, mine did when I got here. I mean, you got to spend over half a million bucks to buy a family home mm -hmm. in our area. That's, that is scary. There, there's definitely some fear there. Um, and part of my rationalization to that is, they, you know, the BAH is still covering the majority of that mortgage. Right. So they're able to make it work. It's just mm -hmm. a scary number, right? Oh, yeah. But what I tell them is, 
you know, when you guys PCS out of here down the road, three or five years, that home may or may not make a good rental. Yeah. Uh, but if it doesn't make a good rental property, you can sell it. Mm -hmm. And even at a, even at a conservative rate of appreciation, your, your multiplying factor is this $600,000 base. Right. right. So even if the appreciation isn't 22%, which it was years ago, you right. know, if it's something conservative like four or, yeah. or seven against an asset of 600,000 or so dollars, right. the math starts to look pretty nice. Yeah. You know? When you sell and you have this nice big check that you can roll into maybe buying the next house and a couple investment properties, right? right. And it could springboard the whole thing. Mm -hmm. No, hundred percent. Yeah. That, and it's like, and again, it just goes back to a lot of people not having that information or that financial mindset. They haven't been, you know, I haven't just haven't seen it. Uh, an, an analogy I use a lot when, uh, especially that when someone gets in there like, Hey, I'm up for promotion. I might get transferred in like a year. I'm just afraid to buy something now or, Hey, uh, you know, like the C tour might get cut short. I'm get, you know, if I get transferred and I buy this and I leave in a year and a half, you know, let's do numbers and, you know, go over numbers with them. They look and go, well, I'm going to be upside down, you know, however much, like say $300, like, cause they base everything on either the mortgage or the VAH, right? That's just how it, how it goes. They're like, oh, well, I'm out of pocket $300 a month. And I'm like, okay. And then you, when you're going to this other place and um, I always ask, well, if some stranger would put $3,000 in like an investment account for you, like an IRA, would you put 300 in if they'll match 3000 to your 300? And like, yeah, that's ridiculous. I'm like, that's what they're doing, dude. You know, like that's what they're doing. They're paying three thousand yeah. dollars a rent. You're putting three hundred. You're getting the equity in your home. You're getting the tax. You'll probably get more more than that in the tax break um, of that being an investment property. Now, you know. So once that those lights hit, though, I think people then start just thinking on their own. Once once it just triggers, they start thinking on their own ways to generate some income from 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 these tools. So and it's yeah. pretty cool to see, isn't it? Like when when it does when it does hit, and so and it and you see it in someone's face, you're like, okay, cool. They're they've got it it's, it's going to be okay for them, you know? Right. Well, and then, and then it opens up kind of a whole nother uh, wormhole here of like house hacking, you know, they yeah. go, you know, yeah. they're going to have, they're going to have friends or buddies on base who are not even in the thinking realm of buying something, but they mm -hmm. need a place to live and they'd be happy to rent a room for 500 bucks a month or whatever mm -hmm. you know, the rent is. And now that $300 in your example, they're profiting on that $300. I mean, <laughs> you know, they rent out two or three of the rooms and, Half the mortgage is covered. Exactly, exactly, and they and they would be doing that anyway because half the time that's what everyone's doing to get into a nicer apartment. You know, they're yeah teaming up on that too. So yeah, no, absolutely. There's so many ways to generate that income. Totally. Well, I was going to ask you. So we're, you know, the time of recording this, it's mm -hmm. you know, we're we're starting to loosen up some of the stay at home orders um, from the COVID thing. So um, you know, I know the whole COVID thing, the stay at home has definitely change the dynamic of our industry uh, as far as just being able to go to homes, you know, and see them or, um, you know, hold open houses, you know, some of the, you know, knock on doors, which is, you know, something that it was very normal right. in our industry. Right. Um, and so a lot of that has changed. But one thing that I've noticed, um, and I wanted to get your take on this. So one thing that I've noticed is I have seen purchase business very steady, if not upticking a little bit. Yes. Um, so, you know, we've been in several multiple offer scenarios 
And so there's still a lot of buyers out there trying to buy homes. But there's, and, there, and it seems to me, and I've seen some statistics that inventory is still low. So that supports a, a strong housing market. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of stuff like in the contracts, like shortening contingency timeframes and stuff like that to make the offers more appealing to the seller and so forth. Um, what, what are you seeing? Are you seeing some of that stuff and how are you navigating that? Um, yeah, yeah, I am seeing, uh, some of that. And honestly, we do that normally anyway. Um, and it's not, it's not just for the strength of an offer, but I've just found, um, you know, if it suits our clients needs, but I found that people just do their job better when they're on that timeline. If there's a 30 or 45 day time, people wait until the last minute till a contingency period till, you know, escrow is going to start working the file at the time they need to work the file because everybody's busy. So I found that like if we shorten things, people just do their job quickly and get it out of the way because they know it's coming up on it. And then cool, if we're sitting waiting just for them to get a key, that's cool. Um, so we kind of do that as a habit uh, whenever possible. But I do, I am seeing people uh, attempt to do that. Um, so people that I think have the systems and structures in place in the right connect, you know, they have uh, good relationships with their lenders, good relationships with their inspectors and things like that are able to pull it off. Um, but I have seen that quite a bit uh, lately, especially, yeah, I mean, by lately, I mean like in the last probably 14 days because I feel like that's when we really started to pick back up. Yeah, I agree. I, and one of the things I was, I was just talking with my uh -huh. escrow rep um, before we started this today and we were talking about the appraisal contingency time. Mm -hmm. And um, and for for people that aren't familiar with that, it's fairly specific to California real estate. But there's within the purchase agreement, there's a, a window um, designated by days in the contract of when that appraisal inspection report has to be in, right turned in. So oftentimes, a lot of that pressure falls on, on the lender because we're the ones that order it, um, even though we don't employ appraisers. But we were, my escrow rep and I, we were talking about. Um, kind of the timing mechanism of this, you know, and what's interesting, I, I'm always championing for, you know, my, my buyer's agents to fight for picking title and picking escrow. And I know that that's kind of a losing battle because 99% of the time the listing agent wins that if it's even fought over, but 99% um, right. of the time the listing agent picks it. But what I've seen recently is they want to tighten up that appraisal contingency time frame. And then the listing agent picks their own escrow and title company who work really, really, really slow. Right. And so it causes this traffic jam. Mm -hmm. one, right. Um, and so, you know, she and I were just, you know, kind of brainstorming back and forth on, you know, how critical it is when we're starting to really crunch that, that it's not like there's other rippling effects in places, other places it needs to change also. Yes. Right. Um, or how are, I had some ideas on how to address that, but has that come across um, in any of the, the deals you've put together recently or how have you kind of addressed that? Um, we've had a couple slow, nothing terrifying in the, in, you know, recently, but we have bumped into that in the past. And usually we kind of put it back like to them of, you know, we can show like, Hey, you know, the, our lenders on point, you know, our inspect, because the biggest one really that as far as shortened contingencies to me is the inspection contingency because people want to know what they're into it for, right? Like what kind of repairs. So we'll knock that out quick. And then if, if our, you know, if our lenders waiting on stuff or if our 
you know, like there were waiting on their appraisal and there's some, you know, any other issues. I kind of just put it back in them. It's like, you know, if you chose the, you, you chose these assets, you chose the escrow because escrow, you know, that's the big one. And a, a good escrow team, they will save anything. And then, but that can also be the, the biggest hurdle in the whole transaction. Right. So, you know, they chose it. I just like put it back on them. Like, Hey, you know, you're holding this up. Let's, let's get this rolling. Um, and I haven't had anything fail because of that, but we've had to definitely put like kind of the feet to the fire on, uh, on a few of them. Um, yeah. then, then there's been a couple of times where we've worked with people like, Oh my God, these people, like, I'm glad they chose because it just exposed us to another phenomenal team, you know, right. so, like, so that's, I guess the, 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 flip side of that you meet some cool people on the other side as well yeah yeah i've met some really great escrow teams and stuff that are really fast uh and and it's funny it's it's funny to see you know we have these va offers with guys coming in needing help with closing costs and stuff and then right. we get this escrow agency in there that's two and a half times more expensive than everyone else you've seen and i'm going man how do we how do we keep running into these turtles everywhere you know exactly but uh, just the nature of the business. Did, uh, did you, on the, you know, you're talking about the uh, conventional, did you see much of, because I know we had some really good fortune for a couple of our uh, buyers that stuck it out like when COVID just first started. We actually put an offer in the night that, um, you know, the governor basically announced the first lockdown. And then, you know, everything went kind of haywire the next day, right? That's when rates were, like, it just nobody really knew. It, stuff was just everywhere. And so there was, we already knew there's multiple offers. Well, all of a sudden this VA offer with almost no earnest money deposit stuff going against these others, um, just they're, they're calling us like, Hey, can they, can they close this? Because, um, you know, we, your guy has a job, you know? And so that, like, really, it was really a pretty cool thing. But the crazy thing is rates changed, you know, suddenly we're like, Hey, well, we'd have to buy down the rate now, but he could definitely close it. So we got like 20,000 credit back for this young couple. And then of course the rates balance by the time we close so they ended up pocketing so much of that you know for covering all the stuff but kind of back to your thing of like the knowledge of knowing the VA loan and stuff all of a sudden you know we it wasn't just that one a few other deals now the VA loan was more favorable because they knew hey these guys it's it, the loans guaranteed and these guys have a job you know on the active duty on the active duty side but um, so that was kind of a nice I guess you say a, a nice little repercussion um, yeah, yeah, I've yeah. I've seen some of that too, you know, because obviously as a result of the COVID thing, there's there's been some tightening in the lending world. Um, right. And one of those things that has tightened is, you know, verifying employment, which rightfully so. You know, I mean, we're in such a weird time from an economic standpoint that, you know, lenders they just have to double triple check, right? Sure. We just got to make sure before we cut that check to buy this house that we're going to get paid back, you know. Right. Um, and, and that's that's the driving force behind it. But yeah, I mean, the active duty people—they're—they're they're not getting laid off. They're not getting furloughed. They're not getting hours cut. You know, they're—I mean, I talked to a lot of them who aren't going to base and they're kind of chilling at home for a couple yeah. weeks. But, <laughs> still but, getting paid. <laughs> and, and, and they're working on house projects, which is nice. But they're still getting their full paycheck, right? They're yeah. still getting their full BAH and they're and their full pay for their their grade. And and um, so yeah, that part has been nice. And it's it's funny. I had a uh, I was doing a cross qualification for. Uh, an agent I worked with and they had a couple offers come in on a home and there was two of them that they really liked and one was conventional and one was VA and um, they were really leaning towards the conventional one. Again, it just feels more warm and fuzzy to a lot of right. agents. Like, oh, I really like the conventional one. 
So we dug into it and got into all the, the details of the file. And that conventional one was using just every penny of this person's income and overtime and all this stuff. We had the VA one that was LES, VAH, slam dunk, easy peasy. And when I, when I brought it back to him and said, okay, here's my review. If man, the verification of employment or the paycheck alters, I mean, even a nickel, they're razor thin on this, this conventional one, even though it sounds prettier because they have some down payment. Right. Like, this one over here is netting the seller the same amount of money. Yeah. And it's going to fly through no issues whatsoever. But this one is a crapshoot. You guys let me know what you think, but I would pick the VA for my choice. Right. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, oh yeah, we never thought about that. I'm like guaranteed money. They're, they're not, you know, there's no overtime to worry about. You know, there's no bonuses. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's steady, steady pay. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and there's another benefit of having someone you can trust to bounce the things off of too. You know, yeah. it's yeah. always good to have that. Yeah, it's always about your team. And I tell that with, with the clients too. And I'm like, you know, you, you need to assemble a good team when you're buying a house, right? Absolutely. It's not only the realtor. It's not only the lender. It's, it's um, it might be mom and the realtor and the lender. It might be your accountant or your financial advisor and the realtor and the lender. But all of them need to be hand selected. Right. Uh, based on your trust of them to get the job done the right way for you, mm -hmm. right? Um, cheapest price never gets you the best result. And, um, you know, I, I, I advocate that quite a bit because, you know, we have probably too much at our fingertips because of Google, right? Like there's so much information out there that all you have to do is, you know, a couple words search and you can head down a rabbit hole for hours, right? And just, gets overwhelmed with information and, and, you know, it can create some, some fogginess in decision-making. Um, but I always, um, beckon people to go back to, you know, who is it that you trust is going to do this for you? Because, right. because you saw some clickbait online or a friend told you to go here cause it was cheap. Mm -hmm. This is a big deal. Like we're not, we're not buying a, a Samsung at Best Buy, right? You know, like this is kind of a big deal. So, um, I, I would suggest we get people in there that you really trust. And if it's not me, that's okay. But you right. need to have someone in there that you really trust is going to drive this home for you because, you know, it's not just calling Best Buy versus Costco and getting them to fight over the rate on that big screen. I mean, this is, this is a different deal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's a huge point. And that, and that I, I think I struggled with that in the beginning was recognizing that sometimes you just can't, you know, people want that deal and stuff. Sometimes you just don't need to, take that or don't work with that one. You know, they, they're not going to know until they find out the hard way or whatever the case is. But you, a lot of times you can educate them. They'll understand, but you're, you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, I'm sure as you see it too, a lot of times we see that on the other side of the deal and you can see the, uh, some of the warning signs uh, going into it. Uh, sometimes, especially like if you're the buyer side and the, and the buyer commission, uh, you know, is like, pretty substantially smaller than normal, then you're thinking, okay, they've already taken this on a pretty big discount for they're doing this. And then usually the, um, you know, the, the, their, I guess, performance, uh, shows too. And, and it's kind of frustrating for, for everyone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You know, if they, if, if going with the least expensive only came with this big asterisk, yeah, <laughs> you're going to pay for this. Yeah. You're gonna pay one way or another. 
maybe not in dollars up front, but somewhere along the line, you're going to pay for this choice. If, if only right. they all came with that big asterisk, I think it would set yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Yeah, I wish I wish we wish we had that. I know, right? Um, well, we're we're headed into you know this hopefully more of a normal um, economy, and I know um, housing is a big worry for people, right? Because yeah. you know the most recent memory of any kind of big economic issue was you know the housing crash of '08, and right. um, and this doesn't look anything like that. I mean, there's so many different factors and stuff. And the housing market still looks very strong. Um, there's so many differences between then and now. Right. Um, and um, so what is, what is your outlook going forward on the remainder of this year, um, the San Diego real estate market? Would you, what would you forecast? If you had a crystal ball to kind of tell us what the rest of the year looks like, what would you say? Um, honestly, I think it's just going to continue to pick up, I think it's actually gonna, and I, and I and I mean that I'm like actually closing on another place myself in two weeks. So I went into escrow at the beginning of this, uh, you know, the COVID thing, and I I went with it because I believe it. I, I just believe that we are in a very different place from 2007-2008, um, and I do see it continuing to grow. And another thing, you know, on the on the VA side, the veteran side, we're we're about to, you know, they've they've withheld PCS for. A, what, three months now? And once that comes, we're probably going to get a surge of up to 30% more than we normally would at that time frame. You know, we always get the summer surge, spring and summer surge, but it's probably going to be thir maybe 30% higher because, I mean, you've got four months of no one by then, four months at least of people not transferring. That's all going to hit here in a short period of time. And that's, you know, again, back to the supply and demand you're talking about. If people don't start listing their houses, that's a lot more people looking for housing. So, um, you know, both on the landlord side and on the seller side, that's a, you know, pretty, pretty substantial high number of people coming in needing to needing housing. So um, I think that that's going to get a pretty big push uh, whenever that finally does happen, you know, which will carry a few of those months. And I think that will like really just kind of push us through this year, at least into the late fall. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I actually just read an article last night on military.com. Uh -huh. and, and there was, it, I, I guess, yesterday was just kind of released to the public that the military is now allowing PCS mm -hmm. orders in, in kind of a priority fashion. It hasn't been right. launched yet, but in right. a priority fashion, they're now allowing people to start making those moves. In fact, one thing that might be uh, of good note for any military members listening to this mm -hmm. is when you move on your own, rather than having the military move for you, right. um, usually you were reimbursed, um, I think about 95% of those move costs. And they're now going to up that, I think to a hundred percent of those move costs yeah. because of all this. So uh, it's coming. And I think, you know, in our market specifically, I agree with you. I think there's, we're going to see quite a bit of activity mm -hmm. um, for people trying to buy homes. A number one, there's no down payment anymore in San Diego's right. high priced. Um, interest rates are all time low. I mean, record lows and crazy low. It's insane how cheap money is right now. So they can afford more, right? Mm -hmm. That VAH dollar stretches a little bit further right. than last year. Yeah. And, uh, and San Diego is arguably one of the most densely populated military metro areas in the nation. So we're going to see a big influx, I think of home buyers. Um, and then of course there's, 
all sorts of ancillary and support businesses that benefit from that, which means more people are going to be buying homes behind, you know, some of that movement. Um, so I think that we're going to have a really strong fall season. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be pretty great. Um, I think interest rates are going to stay low through this whole year. Um, and we'll see how the election goes. That might have a little impact on rates, but I think we're going to see great, great low interest rates to the end of the year, maybe going into the first quarter of next year before we start seeing much in the way of them changing or um, higher. Um, but I think it's going to be a gangbuster year and, and more to kind of the point of our, our discussion here is, you know, more and more agents need to be um, comfortable with the fact that they're going to be receiving VA offers on a lot yeah. of properties, especially with inventory as low as it is. I mean, it's just the, the, the rule of the numbers, right? I mean, it's a numbers right. game and you're going to see more and more VA. And I would just encourage, you know, any agents out there that are looking or listening to this um, to be more open-minded on that, on the VA offers that you get. Um, it truly is a benefit and, and it's a great loan. It's not worse. In fact, it's probably a better buyer oftentimes than some of the conventional ones. So, um, I would just, I would just encourage people to be more open with that because we're going to see a big influx and, you know, our military men and women, they need a, they need a home, they need a home for their families and they're going to need it here in San Diego. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Jay, um, I want to thank you so much for being on Armed and Ready with us today. Um, if anybody is looking for a great realtor uh, to help them with their purchase or the PCS move, uh, Jay Johnson can help you. Um, and where can they reach you, Jay? Uh, they can reach me at uh, just online at landingcollective.com or you can reach out to Jay, J-A-Y, at landingcollective.com for email. And uh, I'm glad to help out anybody who needs it. Awesome. Yeah. And if anybody has any other questions, needs to get a hold of Jay, wants to talk about some VA loans, you can reach me at VALoanGuy.us. You know, like we mentioned, it's all about building your team, right? You got to find people that you know and trust to get the job done for you the right way to help you through the process. And we'd love to be your partners in that. Um, and we thank you again for stopping by and checking out this episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. We'll check you out next week. Take care. Mm -hmm.